It's rivalry week in the SEC, and all week long, I've been bringing you a Thanksgiving podcast feast. Four courses, four pods, the Egg Bowl, the Battle Line rivalry, the Iron Bowl, and now we finally made it to the dessert round. We've gorged ourselves. Now we get to finish our meal with a sweet night game between Tennessee and Vanderbilt to close out SEC Rivalry Week. Before we get into it, please give us a follow on Twitter at SEC Recap. Like, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. Get notified for all of our new episodes. I usually bring you at least two episodes each and every week. This week, I'm giving you four All right, let's get into the matchup. The Tennessee Volunteers head to Nashville to face the Vanderbilt Commodores. This game is kicking off Saturday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. This game is our dessert round because it should be a piece of cake for the Tennessee Volunteers, as Vanderbilt has been the cupcake of the SEC for the last couple years, last several years, actually. But Vandy has been hotcakes the last two weeks, and Tennessee is now without their starting Heisman contender quarterback, Hendon Hooker. This is the dessert round because both of these teams represent schools that are founding members of the SEC conference. It just doesn't get any better than that. Tennessee and Vanderbilt have met on the gridiron 115 times since 1892. Vanderbilt won the first 12 meetings, save a 0-0 tie in 1900, and then won 8 of the next 10 all the way until 1927. Until 1932, both teams were actually members of the Southern Conference. The SEC was established in Knoxville, Tennessee, home of the Vols, in 1932 when Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and other members of the Southern Conference left to form the Southeastern Conference. In 1928, this rivalry would swing in Tennessee's favor for the next 80-plus years. Vanderbilt won only nine games from 1928 to 2005, and it wouldn't win consecutively until 2012 and 2013. Tennessee leads this series all-time 78-33-5. Now, this this rivalry isn't streaked with huge, epic matchups like the Iron Bowl or the Egg Bowl. And in 2005, Jake Cutler helped break the longest Vandy losing streak, which was 22 in a row, in Knoxville with a 28-24 victory over the Vols. Now, outside of some sparse breaks and win streaks, Tennessee has largely enjoyed dominance of this matchup over the last 100 years years a century of dominance over their in-state rival Vanderbilt Tennessee has only been ranked once in the last 14 meetings of these two teams and that was in 2016 but prior to that had been ranked in the top 25 17 of the last 20 years when these two teams have met Vanderbilt has not been ranked when these two teams have played since 1958. 
All right, let's look at some stats. Tennessee still coming into this matchup with the number one scoring offense and number one offense by yardage in the country. Just a testament to how explosive and how powerful that offense has been all season, even through the ups and downs. Vols average 46 and a half points per game, 540 yards per game. They've got the number two passing offense in terms of yardage. They're putting up 348 yards a game, get 3.1 tutties a game through the air, and they've got 34 on the season. They've got the number 35 rushing offense, 191 yards a game, about three touchdowns a game, and 33 total tutties on the ground on the year. Just three picks. They take really good care of the ball through the air. They've lost eight out of 15 fumbles. On the Vanderbilt side, number 78 in the country in scoring offense. They're averaging just 26.8 points per game, 355 yards total per game. They've got the number 106 passing offense, just 194 yards through the air, 22 passing touchdowns though on the year. That's not bad. They can score through the air. But they had the number 60 running offense. They gained 161 yards a game, about 1.2 touchdowns a game for a total of 13 on the season, which is odd because as good as their running game has been with Ray Davis, and now that Mike Wright's back in it, you'd think they'd have more rushing touchdowns. But I guess A.J. Swan, more of a passer, so they've racked up a lot of those touchdowns through the air. Six picks, lost nine fumbles, Uh, The advantage here is going to Tennessee. On the defensive side of the ball, Tennessee, number 61 in the country in scoring defense. Uh, A middle-of-the-pack defense in terms of points allowed, 25.9 per game and 411 yards per game. Now, in terms of yards allowed, they allow a ton of yards. But that skews the stats. When you look at how Tennessee plays offense, your opponents are always going to get more possessions Uh, And so typically you're going to give up more yards. So that's why I like to use scoring defense as the primary metric here, because points allowed really tells the story. You can give up a ton of yards, but if you don't give up a ton of points, you're still probably going to win the game. They do have the number 130 pass defense. A lot of people like to point at that and go, it's a terrible defense. It's a terrible defense. While I get it, again, it's only telling part of the picture. They do allow 300 yards a game, which is terrible. I mean, flat out, that's terrible. They've given up 21 total touchdowns through the air. But they have the number 16 run defense. They've been a top 20 run defense all season, allowing just 108 yards per game on the ground. Uh, And they've given up 14, just 14 rushing touchdowns on the year. They've also got nine interceptions and recovered 10 fumbles. Vanderbilt, number 118 in the country in scoring defense, by far the worst defense in the SEC. Commodores average 34.2 points allowed, and they're giving up 456 yards a game. They've got the number 129 ranked pass defense. That's just one ahead of Tennessee at 130. They're also giving up over 300 yards, 303.2 per game. They've given up 28 touchdowns through the air. They've got the number 75 run defense, allowing 153 yards a game on the ground, and they've allowed 19 rushing touchdowns. They've got six interceptions, and they've recovered 11 fumbles. So again, 
I'm giving the defensive advantage here to Tennessee. Statistically, Tennessee gives up like the same amount of yards through the air that Vanderbilt does, but they're stouter against the run and they definitively allow fewer points. So advantage Tennessee there. Key injuries. This one is tough, especially for Tennessee fans because Hendon Hooker was everything you could have asked for in not just a quarterback, but a leader and a human being tore his ACL in a non-contact injury. He's done for the year. Just such an awful way to lose your quarterback in the home stretch. Uh, really tough for Vol fans, tough for this team, but I know they have a lot of confidence in Joe Milton, so I think they'll be able to turn around and refocus with Joe Milton at the helm. Brew McCoy also went down, uh, some kind of rib injury maybe, he's questionable I guess, and then Brandon Turnage, defensive back, uh, went down with some a really bad looking ankle injury, I'm going to say he's doubtful if not definitely out. And on the Vanderbilt side, I don't have a ton of injury information because I'm recording these all so early in the week, but we know AJ Swan has been injured. It looks like Mike Wright is definitely going to be the starter. So then let's step in and talk about key players. For Tennessee, it's going to be first and foremost, the running backs, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, maybe a little bit of Dylan Sampson mixed in. I think because Joe Milton is coming in, look, I the team has confidence in Joe Milton. They're probably going to have a more limited playbook for him uh, to kind of just make sure he's making the right decisions there in the passing game because so much of what they do is based on the option. So the read option. So I think they'll lean on Jabari Small, Jalen Wright. Vanderbilt's not a great defense. It's not a good run defense. I think Tennessee should, with that offensive line, should be able to assert their will on the ground to kind of open up some more limited opportunities for Joe Milton to throw the ball. He doesn't need to, to throw 60-yard uh, deep bombs, you know, every series or every drive. So my next key player then is Joe Milton. I just want to see him step in feel comfortable, feel poised. He's done a great job in mop-up duty all season. I have no reason to believe that he won't handle those responsibilities the way he's supposed to. It just doesn't make you feel good knowing that he's stepping in as the starter the way Hendon Hooker went down. For Vanderbilt, quarterback Mike Wright, and I'm also going to say wide receiver Will Shepard Want to see what that chemistry is like. Want to see what else the Vanderbilt offensive staff kind of cooks up to exploit some of the Tennessee defensive vulnerabilities. Which brings me to my next segment, what this game comes down to. I'm looking at, can Tennessee bounce back mentally and emotionally? If not, Vandy can absolutely take advantage of this defense. And I think Tennessee fans need to understand that. Tennessee has suffered a slew of injuries in the secondary and was weren't even deep to begin the season. Too many times we've seen these defensive backs play soft zone and let opponents pick up big chunk yards over the middle of the field to extend drives. Tennessee's run defense is good enough to handle Ray Davis and Mike Wright on ordinary downs, especially if Jeremy Banks is back in the lineup. But opponents are beginning to use the width of the field on 
designed runs, jet sweeps, things to the outside to exploit the slowness and lack of talent on Tennessee's secondary. Mike Wright is a very capable runner, and Vandy can use some of those receivers in designed runs to the outside to hurt the Vols. Then I want to see, can Joe Milton step into the starting role with poise? I expect the coordinators to help him out by leaning on the run against a soft Vandy defense and open up some controlled passing options for him. Vandy has nothing to lose in this game. They're they're playing to get bowl eligible, but they've already exceeded everybody's expectations on the year, especially with wins over SEC opponents, Kentucky and Florida. All of the pressure here is still on Tennessee. Do the Vols bounce back? How do they handle Hendon Hooker being out of the lineup, possibly being down a star receiver, possibly having even thinner defensive back depth? How does Tennessee handle it? They still have a lot to play for. Tennessee's still playing for a 10-win season. Best season since like 2007, I think. Okay, so the odds. ESPN's FPI has Tennessee favored at a 93.2% chance to win versus Vanderbilt at a 6.8%, almost nice chance to win. The spread favors Tennessee at minus 14, as does the money line at minus 480. Over under is at 64 and a half with team totals for Tennessee at 38 and Vanderbilt 25. If Tennessee had had the expected showing last weekend that we all thought they would, I think this spread would probably be at 21 plus. But after seeing Tennessee vulnerable on the road two weeks out of the last three, I think that spread is closed appropriately because there are so many more questions now about Tennessee with Hendon Hooker out for the year and some glaring, just inexplicable defensive problems that I think is much on Tim Banks as it is the players. So my final prediction, by all statistics, Tennessee should win this game comfortably. But with Hooker out and the just inexplicably off performance last weekend, I am not as confident as I would have been a week ago. I am still generally confident in Tennessee's ability to score on Vanderbilt's defense. It's the worst in the SEC. The Vols should be able to run and throw. The real question is, can Tennessee stop what Vanderbilt is going to do? I just don't have the same confidence now that they can. They're going to have to prove it to me. So... I'm still taking Tennessee to win, but Vandy might cover, and I don't think I'll be confident in this pick until that game clock hits triple zeros. I will take Tennessee 37, Vanderbilt 27. Tennessee wins, but Vandy covers. Before I give you the rest of my week 13 predictions, don't forget to check out our merch, bonfire.com slash store slash SEC recap. I've got awesome SEC pride merch for each SEC team. Again, you could get all our content on secrecap.com, but wait, I still got to give you the rest of my week 13 predictions. These are all the games that I am not recording a podcast exclusively for this week. First up, Florida at Florida State. I think Florida is... Florida State is objectively a better team, and they do get the Gators at home. So give me FSU 31 to 24, but maybe Florida covers that nine and a half point spread. Next, we got Georgia Tech at Georgia. 
This game should be a blowout. I don't know if Georgia covers the spread. It's a huge spread, 36 points. But I think they could cover that. And I think 42 to 7 sounds about right to me. Then we've got South Carolina at Clemson. Hear me out here. And I'm not going to go into detail. The Tennessee game was a fluke. Just like Georgia in 2019. It happens. Freakishly, it happens. It doesn't mean that South Carolina has suddenly put it all together. I'm not buying that. I think Tennessee gave them as much as they took in this game. I think Clemson, much better defense. They win by a couple scores and maybe even keep the Gamecocks under 20 points. Give me Clemson 33, South Carolina 17. Next up, we got Louisville traveling to Lexington to face Kentucky for their interstate rivalry. Kentucky has turned just awful in the back half of the season. Louisville isn't very good. I think this game will be ugly and close, but it is in Lexington, so I'm still going to take the Wildcats, maybe by a field goal. Ugly, low-scoring affair, 20-17 to Kentucky. Final game on this lineup, I've got LSU at Texas A&M. Now, you might be asking, hey, this is an SEC-SEC matchup. Why didn't you do a podcast for this one? There's not a really deep, rich SEC rivalry here. A&M came into the SEC uh, with Missouri, you know, back in 2013-2014. I know these two teams have played since the, you know, early 1900s across conference and out of conference. But there's just there's not really a compelling rivalry between these two teams, in my personal opinion. Uh, so to me, this could just shape up to be a decent, worthwhile SEC game. So LSU has to go to College Station, but they're such a more complete team than Texas A&M. There's not even a chance for A&M to get bowl eligible here. They only have four wins on the season. And LSU is playing now for the college football playoff. I'm not saying it won't be the game, but LSU should win by at least 10. Give me LSU 27, Texas A&M 17. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed this content, follow us on Twitter at SEC Recap. Get all of our content at secrecap.com. Like, subscribe to the podcast. We're available everywhere you prefer to chug your podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe to the channel. It helps us reach more SEC fans. Guys, have a great Thanksgiving week. Enjoy the rest of our SEC rivalry episodes. And I hope all of you have a great week of food, friends, family, and football. Thanks for listening to the SEC Recap Podcast.